Hello, hello. We are back with another episode of Down and Dirty with Denise. And on this week's episode, I have a very special guy who knows what it's like. He's a guy that likes to get high and knows what it's like to have an amazing game show that I was a part of called Weeding Out the Stones. Please introduce yourself, sir. Hello, uh, I'm Alex Grubard. And yeah, I host a game show called Weeding Out the Stone and I smoke pot. Uh, it's pretty, <laughs> pretty much what you're getting at, you know? Yeah. That old cannabis. Yeah, the cannabis. Cannabis is legal. It's in legal. I'm, tr- I'm trying to use the correct uh, the correct term, you know, destigmatize it. Not that marijuana made up bullshit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's cannabis and it's great. So I start out with like uh, a standard question. But before I ask you that question, I actually want to know how you came up with weeding out the stone. Like what made you come up with that idea? How did you start it? So uh, I was living in Philadelphia at the time, and there was a uh, festival that was doing like, uh, it was called $5 Comedy Week, and they accepted pitches for things that weren't straight stand-up sketch or improv that could have elements of it. And I would just kind of like fire off pitches at them. Uh, they did like three of them in a year. And I would, by the third one, I was like, just, you know, I would literally... I'm not even kidding. I was in the bathroom when <laughs> weeding out the stone was pitched. I would just pitch <laughs> them randomly when I was looking at my phone. And uh, I kind of pitched something like a bunch of comedians are high except one. Uh, and they do things like play pin the tail on the donkey and recite the alphabet backwards and other sobriety tests. And the audience tries to figure out who is sober. And it was just that simple. And I've down, done that show 120 times and wow. a dozen states. And yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. It's been, it'll be, it's like five years this summer, wow. you know, including COVID, you know how it is. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know, so, I mean, honestly, it, there was such a, uh, like a culture of getting high uh, around comedy shows, around doing standup where it's in Philly, like, I mean, it's everywhere, but like, uh in philly there was a lot of shows or a lot of open mics and showcases were you know one half and a second half and there was this break in between and so everyone would just go in the alley and get high and the second half was kind of almost everyone is high so it kind of just like that's where i was really inspired by this like you know concept um you know i pitched a lot of different things and that was the only weed related one but that's kind of the inspiration uh that kind of intermission <laughs> yeah no that's very Smoke cool and, I, and actually for me I, I I like to be totally sober like when I do my own sets because I want my mind to be as quick as possible although I like to think that I'm hilarious when I'm high you know I don't know if I'm hilarious to sober people like I'm hilarious to my friends that are high with me but like it's hard to figure out like if you should do that on stage. So I, I err on the side of, I want to be as quick as possible. I want my brain to be fast. Let me stay sober. Like I don't even really drink only recently. Do I even have like a drink or two while I'm waiting to go on? Like, it's been like a thing with me stay sober so that I can remember everything. (laughs) And yeah, I absolutely understand that. Uh, That kind of feeling. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not really, uh, I don't really think about it either way mm. <laughs> at this okay. point. I don't really, uh, 
you know, I'm not there. It's sets, I guess, or shows that I definitely, I mean, there's plenty of days that I'm just like not smoking, but there's specific sets, I guess, but I don't really think about it too much, honestly. Yeah. You know, that's good. To me, so, it would be like somebody that's a cigarette smoker going, well, I don't so smoke cigarettes for this set. Right. Like, okay. It's not even a thing. I'm not getting high. You know what I mean? I right. smoke pot too much <laughs> to have a, a, any tolerance. Like I'm so I'm, or, uh, to have a low tolerance. I've like, I feel like I haven't been like high, high in a long time. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, no. I, I, as an edible connoisseur, it's taken me a lot these days. Yeah, yeah. I, but I've also it, done yeah. stand up on shrooms and stuff too. So that's a oh whole different God. high wow. set. You know what I mean? Really important sets. No, I'm kidding. But, uh, you know, things that would be like my birthday and it's like a room that ever, you know, I know half the people there or I'm very comfortable in it or I, you know, something like that. Uh, but yeah, I've done that a couple, a few times. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah, I, I mean, no, I don't say it was great. Yeah, exactly. Who said it was fantastic? Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. You'll have to ask all the dragons and demons that were in the audience. <laughs> no, uh, I don't know who was there. Yeah, oh, friends of mine were there. Just everybody looked like the devil. No, I'm kidding. I, I remember having fun a few several times. And okay, that, you know, okay. like some really, you know, that I had fun at least. <laughs> I mean, I had so much fun at your show. Like I had so much fun. I, I want to be, anytime you need to fill another spot, I'm, I'm here for it. There is like nothing I'd rather do on a Friday night than get high with other comedians and make an audience laugh. Like it well, just yeah. is so fun. Well, please come ha hang out anytime. I mean, you yeah. know, and you, honestly, I mean, between you and me and the podcast, you need people last minute a plenty you know oh, so, yeah reach out uh, to uh, last yeah, yeah. minute yeah 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 or come and smoke pot you never know what could happen totally, <laughs> you know what i mean totally that kind of thing i don't yeah. know but yeah it's uh you know it's been a lot of fun i mean it's it's we book a lot of people you know try and get a lot of people up uh on the show and it's exciting to see a lot of people on stage and you get a ton of personalities all at once like interacting with each other mm. you know there's a difference between seeing like 16 people on a stand-up showcase of some kind or an open mic or whatever, uh, just personality after personality, but uh, in that environment, in that medium, but it's a different thing when they're all out there at once and you're whittling them down. It's just kind of like a whole different uh, visual experience, theatrical mm -hmm. experience, like comedically. Uh, and so it's been a lot of fun just on like getting a lot of people out there on stage and like, interacting with the show you know just seeing what it's like most people don't most performers don't smoke pot and go perform it's not what are we all rock stars we're all <laughs> none of us were in 70s classic rock bands we're comedians you know uh so i think it is like a totally different scenario for most people it is a new experience to be and it's a totally comfortable enough environment although people always are saying when like they get when the audience thinks they're the narc and they're yelling like narc and they think that they're sober, uh, they're the sober person. Like they say that that does hurt. So I've never, oh. you know, I haven't been a player, so I haven't been a contestant before. So I wouldn't necessarily know, but. But it was, it's, it's a super fun environment. Like everybody was super friendly. Like I really liked it. Like I didn't really know anybody um, on the show that I did. So I thought it was really fun. And I made new friends. Yeah, trying to get a different group. I'm always thinking about that, all that sort of stuff. I'm like, these people are, for, I know that I know them, or they reached out because through this 
thing and I want to get some people from this scene and some people from this scene, you know, I don't want to overload it with too much of one area, but you want don't want everybody to like, you know, be completely out of their L. You want people to be comfortable and like maybe hopefully know somebody or be able to meet new people, all that good stuff. Totally. Yeah, it's fun. It's a lot of people are there, you know, a lot of, you know, we got 16 comics on the show usually. 10 to 16, with, you know, with the pandemic, we're obviously playing around with how many people yes. should be in proximity to each other on stage or whatever, you know, it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so my standard question um, is, what's your current relationship status? You're here to spill the, spill the beans, spill the tea. Spill the beans, guess what? I'm engaged. Wow. I know. Really big gossip around here. Wow. Yeah, I am engaged. Yeah, thank you. You're so proud of me. No, uh, yeah. You <laughs> know, we're uh, we're super excited. My fiance and I, we've been together. It'll be seven years in November. You wow. know, still still kicking. You know, she's she's the best. You know, she puts up with me. What do you do? It's a perfect relationship. <laughs> Wait, so okay you've been together seven years how did you guys meet we met through a mutual friend really a roommate of hers i was uh at i went back to college at 24 and okay. about my i don't remember junior senior year something like that uh i was in a class with this guy and he was jen's roommate one of jen's roommates and him and i were becoming friends i went over to his house and uh, a bunch of them came to a show I had right after that. And actually they had been to a show already and I had met, we had met very briefly, but I went to like hang out at their house. Jen and I hit it off super crazy. I like, gave away her name, my yeah. fiance and I No, Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's okay. I, uh, yeah, I hope she's okay with it, but you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, but yeah, uh, we hit it off, you know, super well stayed to that whole staying up till 5am talking thing. It was great, you know, and we, you know, it's no, no looking back. There's no turning back. I think I was honestly wearing a button that said, no, there's no turning back uh, during that day. So I referenced it. Not that you would know that, but yeah. I'm cluing you in. Anyway, yeah. So, uh, you know, yeah, there was no turning back. Yeah, we've uh, been together ever since, you know, been great. So you essentially met in college, which is like easy. Yeah, kind of. I was close to 30. Okay. <laughs> but uh, but uh, but you know, she was not in college. You know, oh, she, she was already an okay. adult. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, he. Uh, one reason him and I became friends is we both had gone back to college. Okay. Uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't befriended a lot of eighteen-year-olds as a twenty-nine-year-old senior. Well, I uh, thought maybe she was twenty. I would give you a little bit of credit. Yeah, a little credit. No, no, no. <laughs> She's a full-grown adult with a job and a life and everything. Roommates. Wow. No, okay. just, I had roommates too. <laughs> no, we just, you know, we were Philadelphians, you know, just uh, hanging out at the time. I wasn't, I mean, a real Philadelphian, but, uh, you know, I had moved there for college and stuff. <laughs> but uh, I had been there for six, you know, already five years at that point. Then we moved in together, spent another year and a half in Philly. Um, and then we moved up. We live in Jersey City now. Okay. Been here about four years. You know, okay. something like that. Sounds about right. 
Sounds good to me. Mathematically so, and everything. Yeah. So like, you know, I, on this podcast, I talk a lot about like the shit of dating. Like I'm on the dating apps and they kind of suck. Um, although just, just before we started recording, I got asked to on a first date, which I guess is kind of weird, but I'm totally down to go see David Cross next week. I was like, yeah, uh, okay. I've never go. seen him live. Like, let's go. Fine. That would be fun. I, yeah. I love that idea. Yeah. I'm like, David I'm Cross. Yeah. On a first date. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's a big comedy show, but you know, that's like a comedy show on a first date is good, but it's so specific. You know, yeah. like to even see a headliner, I mean, I guess makes total sense, but like, yeah, David Cross. I love it. I mean, I think it would be, I love David Cross. So personally, right. I don't know if that says a lot of red flags about me, maybe, or about them or the opposite. Know. I don't know. I mean, I, I've always wanted to see him live and like literally um, today, my mom said to me, you know, maybe it's all the comedy guys don't, I don't know if guys really like that. Like, come on, you know? So it's like, here's a guy that wants to take me to a comedy show, which by the way, has happened to me a lot in general, not necessarily on a first date. I've had a lot of, I've had a lot of second dates, second or third dates to stand up New York with those fucking uh. tickets that they used to hand out in Central Park for like discounted shows. Ah, uh, I got you. Yeah. yeah. I've, uh, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, but of course, that's a, that makes total sense. You got to, you know, you just, I mean, I'm sure a lot of guys that are like out there on the apps are probably like buying a pack of 10 of those, mm -hmm. you know, maybe not. I'm not sure of it. Uh, but now that you bring it up, like it's those kind of tickets. Oh, that's, yeah. You know, it sounds like, on. and it might not all be for dating. They're like, I'm going to take my friend, my boys out. I'll, you know, if I lose fantasy football, this is what these guys get to do or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> whatever yeah. they do. Yeah, with a pack like, of stand-up New York tickets. I know, and, and it's also a Groupon. Like I, I uh, in 2015, 2014 to like 2016, that was the height of me being taken on those dates. Even by like, well, then they ended like one guy ended up being like my boyfriend for a little bit after. But yeah, that was our second date, sushi and stand-up New York. And when he whipped out the fucking tickets from Central Park, I was like, oh. That should have been my sign. Cheap fucking dude, man. Like can't even pay the full cover. I can't even sprig the, for the seller or whatever. No, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. It's sprig for David Cross. That's a good, see, this is, I like the David Cross move. Okay. You know, okay. comparatively? Yeah. I mean, come on. It's, first of all, it's, it's very, like every guy that takes you out to stand up in New York or whatever. You know, I got another thing against stand up in New York too. I'm going to say, throw that out there. Uh, but I'd like a check spot like please who wouldn't who wouldn't ah you know wouldn't it be wonderful they're living their life doing their business anyway but like they all want to like have something to talk about afterwards mm -hmm. but you know at this point it's 2021 we've all been to comedy shows before you know there's only so many it's not as like awe-inspiring as it was in like 1999 right uh that david cross big time like he's not doing he's doing a theater MC. he's doing asylum i think right or where's, no, where, where's doing, the show? Um, no, I did see him at Asylum on there. It's at Littlefield. Oh, but there you go. So they're cool. Love Littlefield. Nothing against Stan New York. But uh, <laughs> Littlefield. Uh, so I think that's a more exciting I just want to say show. something about Stan New York. 
George and Kevin, if you're listening, you keep on not putting me in your comedy mob festival. And also pre-COVID, I had an audition for an audition for a check spot, an audition for an audition. And I fucking killed. And you guys never came back to me. And I, you don't want to put me in the festival. You don't like my video, fine. But I killed that night at my audition for an audition. Okay, keep going. Hey, no, nothing against Stand Up New York. Nothing against Stand Up New York. <laughs> no, I mean, what can you do? It is just that, yeah, the comedy show date is so uh, specific. And so I, I think it's much better to be specific. It's a trope, you know, at this point to go on a comedy show date. So it's fun mm -hmm. to be like, we're going to see David Cross. This could be anything, you know, this is uh, a, just a big show, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah. And a little physical place. Yeah. It's not Manhattan. You know, it's all good stuff. I'm trying to infiltrate <laughs> Brooklyn with, I'm, I'm going to host a weekly mic now on Saturdays at the tiny cupboard. So like my, my goal is to infiltrate Brooklyn, even though I fucking live all the way uptown in Washington Heights. Oh my gosh. That is a hike. It's a hike. It's, I live in New Jersey and it's easier to get to Brooklyn than oh, yes, it is. Washington yes, Heights. Oh yes, my gosh. It it's like going to Connecticut. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm, listen, here's the thing with, with Washington Heights. Like I moved in October, right? So I had like a summer uh, or whatever this time of COVID, like in October, we're still fucking working from home. We don't know what's going to happen. And I was like, I've been in this apartment for six years. I was on the Upper West Side. So still uptown and West Side, but I had been in that tiny apartment it was technically a one bedroom but it was like less than 500 square feet I even had a living boyfriend for a time how the two of us lived in there no wonder why we hated each other and no I really hated him he I'm perfect <laughs> and he sucked okay anyway anyway um it was time to move so when I moved up here and my apartment is ridiculous it's enormous and beautiful and I love it and like I have finally like I I really like got the furniture and the vibe that I want, like the aesthetics, like farmhouse, comfy, cozy, chic, whatever furniture. Um, but I like didn't really realize how fucking far I would be and that life would resume and I would need to get places. Like Brooklyn. Like the tiny cupboard, which is so far out in Brooklyn. Might as well be at JFK. <laughs> I mean, it is out there. The first time I ever went there, I drove and I just went all the way down Atlantic Avenue and I made a left on Rockaway. And I was like, this is unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Rockaway. Anyway, but I mean, I love the tiny cupboard though, too. Nothing against the tiny cupboard. No, uh, it's a cool, you know. I'm super excited about. New York is one of those places where there needs to be a comedy club in every neighborhood. There needs to be one on 78th. Uh, where, you know, the state of New York is. There needs to be one in, you know, gosh, Bushwick Rockaway, wherever uh, the yeah. tiny cupboard is. You know, I'm looking into bringing Pips back. I'm thinking about it. No, I'm just mm. kidding. That's a good idea. So up here, right beach. Up mm. here there's, um, there's a restaurant that um, this comic, Ed McGowan, I don't know if you know. Oh, he's hilarious. He's I love Ed McGowan. Yeah, so he, he does a show he brought it back now like obviously he didn't do it during covid but that's it like there's some stuff in harlem but i'm like maybe i should be the person that like brings back up 
brings shit up here, but I also I'm producing a show in Murray Hill instead. Oh, exactly. really? Where yeah. in Murray Hill? I like kind of so like my yeah, kind of uh I know Murray Hill from back in the day a back little. In the day, right? We're too old for Murray Hill now. Well, but- yeah. No, well, my dad, my dad lived in Murray Hill for oh really? Like my most of my life up until maybe like eight years ago. Wow. Yeah. So I mean <sighs> I know, like Murray Hill, like where in Murray Hill? I'm like, yo, Murray Hill is not exactly some sort of entertainment mecca in my opinion. No, Yeah, but it's a bar, it's called Home Base. I am friends with, I have a friend that's like a part owner of it. So like he really works with me. And I also like my big thing of producing that show. I've only been able to do it once. I unfortunately had to cancel it in July because I couldn't like get people to commit. Like July was like the month that people were like, COVID's gone. I'm going to the beach every weekend. And like, I stupidly thought it was a good idea to have it like a Sunday night thing, which not. This is going to be a Tuesday in September and I'm co-producing it with a friend. So like, I think it'll be good, you know, have a co-producer. But really the whole thing is, is like, because it's a friend of mine that like is a part owner and like can work out the situation with me. Like I I'm hoping to make money to pay comics. Like that's my goal is like, I want everybody to make something like at the show in May, I paid everybody like 15 bucks. Okay. It's, I mean, this is what comedy is like, like, you know, but that's nice to give somebody, everybody something. Um, So that's part of why like I'm going with it. And like, it's a really great space because like, you know, though they're working with me and they're making it easy for me to try to make a profit enough to pay everybody, you know? Otherwise I could do it someplace else. And then it's like, everybody has to get items and then I don't even pay, get to pay the comics, you know, so. Right, right, exactly. Every place is different. It's t- that's great, you know, it's it yeah. seems to always be like a system that you could probably work something out. New York is tough because New York, uh, the whole trusted area doesn't really give you a lot of options right. uh like in that regard like in philly a lot of places and like your law comes into the play like you know in philly a lot of pl- bars kind of did a percentage or something of a okay. bar even for open mics and stuff like that was kind of a trend uh in like and like you just realize stuff in jersey city it's hard to charge tickets uh I've noticed a lot of the bars don't want to do it because, uh, and I've like looked deeper into it. And from what I understand, it's essentially this like outdated, completely outdated, like jazz strip club yeah. band. And there are no, like, it's hard to probably do burlesque here. I think that can be like a elite, like a, you know, a little violation or like mm. some sort of dumb thing, you know, like, uh, but it's one of those things like people still do it and they look the other way, but it's like people, if someone complains, it can be like a hassle. Yeah. Uh, and then like comedy half falls into that, but like a lot, there was, I looked into it, like I said, I looked into it and the, that law was changed in 10 years ago in 2011, it was changed that bars are allowed to play music after 10 p.m. in oh certain God. areas. And it was like, yeah, before that, they weren't allowed to play music after 10 p.m. anywhere in town. And so it's kind of like you realize some of these places are like, you know, they have entire things that prevent whatever from going mm-hmm. on, you know, uh, or at least in like a, a realistic way that like, you know, I don't know. 
I mean, not to say that Murray Hill is like that, but New York is they you know they don't give you anything like they just these venues give you (laughs) so little uh and you know you're one in a million as far as karaoke nights Uh and trivia nights and people that want to throw a happy hour for their corporation you know i mean like you're you're just another thing like if you can develop a relationship with the owner or a manager or something like that a bartender it's phenomenal (laughs) you know it goes along that's like the whole point yeah. Is like I have a relationship with them. They're trying to help us out. Like work. They, and at first, like after the July one got canceled, I was like, oh, they don't even care whether I do this. And when I went back to them and be like, okay, let can we think about September? I feel like, especially on a weekday, like people will now be around. Like things are like it's not like this. Everybody thought they had a free summer of without COVID, and then the Delta variant came, and now people are gonna have to fucking work and I don't know so they actually like really want it like they were like no no, we do want a comedy thing and I was like oh okay so like that's why because you're right venues don't give a shit like they don't care they'll make money without me they they don't need me if I'm a hassle well yeah right exactly if you're hassle but like if you make it easy on them like and Mm -hmm. you know why I'm sure you would you know exactly like it's it's harder to be a hassle I think you know yeah. if you're trying to do a good show you're going to be a winner because realistically they're probably giving you a time that you can do well in in a way that they're not doing well then you know you're not taking away business if you do well they're going to want you there as much as is realistic to both parties you know and yeah. all, all parties including the audience you know like uh they're they're you know they want you to be there like if you can fill a slot and make it a really great event like any bar in the city is going to be super thankful that you they found you or you found them or whatever happened you know but it takes time i mean you know and you see some venues understand comedy in a big way like it's there's plenty of examples of a show starts at a bar and it's like pretty successful and the bar all of a sudden has a show every night mm-hmm. because they understand all of a sudden that, oh, we had a lot of open dates that in or a back room that would, is rarely used and right. all sorts of things like that. But, I mean, there's only more bars in New York than there were 10 years ago, you know, in different neighborhoods with all sorts of, you know, construction flaws that they have to turn into features. Yes. <laughs> I mean, like the, uh, the asylum a- is the old UCB theater that was an old strip right. club. Oh, I, I've heard, so they touted, uh, they told me, I'm sure it's been like a million things yeah. also. They've said, uh, they told me that it was the Yiddish theater in the sixties, which oh is hilarious, yeah. you know? Uh, but yeah, it was, it was a strip club before oh, UCB. I think UCB? the first UCB the first, was a strip yes. club. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. In, I don't know where that was. Hell's Kitchen or something. No, I, I, I think Chelsea, also. Chelsea also. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Right. But the, yeah, that that theater space has now been yeah it's probably so many things the one on 26 that yeah. is under gristides right uh and yeah I it's spent, now at asylum i i've spent countless hours and hours and hours i was a big big improv ucb person like i took every class i could take at ucb like for yeah. a long time before i started doing stand-up i was very Whoa. improv focused for years Whoa, yeah, yeah, I understand. I yeah. know what you mean. Yeah, I mean, I watched a lot of stand up at 
and one man shows and stuff at UCB. That's kind of mm. most. I saw some improv. I saw the stepfathers. I saw yeah. you know, a handful of things. Probably a couple of graduation classes. Like so many th- things, right? Mm-hmm. So many. And I mean, even the last time I was probably at UCB, it was to like do stand up on just like some show, not some okay, not like a crazy big show, but like a you know solid set. Like, well, I don't know, my set was probably terrible. <laughs> no, but uh, who can remember, right? Right? <laughs> Nothing against Alex Grubart. No, I'm good. I'm, I'm, you know, anyway, but uh, <laughs> no, it was a fun, uh, fun time. It's always fun to be in that space, and it was mm-hmm. always fun to be at UCB. It was crazy. Um, and yeah, so I was there when there was barely anyone. I was one of the only people in the audience and I was there when it was jam packed, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. And, you know, yeah. UCB. Um, I mean, things needed to change. I, I think in the comedy right. community in general is specific to improv and stand up. So like improv needed to like UCB was a fucking monster that took all your money and, couldn't figure out why certain people rose and other people didn't. And it was like too competitive. And then with stand up, the bringers had to stop. And I will say that COVID hands down, at least for me, ended the bringer situation. Cause I got really sucked into it. Oh and yeah. Now I'm really open about it. Like I will never do a bringer. It will never happen ever again. I don't deserve to be on some like no no offense no offense we're doing a no offense episode right? I, no I, offense I, I, to anyone yeah. but like some of the bringer shows the lineups are awful and I don't want to make my friends pay for that like I shouldn't be the funniest person in the lineup like that's how I feel at this point like right I want to grow too I want to surround myself with super talented people that make me want to do better and if I'm with like fake comedians right that just do like a bringer twice a year that's not necessarily like the environment that's going to help me grow or that I should have my friends be paying for right for sure yeah stand-up is tough because it's like just knowing what the quote-unquote system or systems Mm -hmm. are is uh like learning that is like most 99% of us do it by mo- learn that stuff by experience, trial and error. And you're mm-hmm. like told these things that, you know, uh, you know, you just are not really the way you should place any kind of value you have in just like as a person, you know, like mm-hmm. as a comedian. And then, you know, when you're starting out, that's like, they, kind of try to get you to do those immediately and it's like absolutely if they have any value it's totally not the time that's to say then i'm doing a no offense thing but that's to say that they <laughs> would theoretically have any value uh because i totally got caught up in that too like don't get me wrong right. uh and this was forever ago you know i mean the bringer thing had been going on for a long time and it was mm-hmm. like unbelievable i probably like in a way you know you're like you know do you start com when do you start comedy like i was doing like bringers and like barking and like mm-hmm. like you were talking we were talking about those tickets yeah. you know i was selling those tickets i've done that <laughs> my dad's from murray hill <laughs> my dad was living at murray hill needed a job as an 18 year old i was into comedy right. you know i did that shit in times square and it's like unreal i mean for a summer but it's like Oh, I remember that summer. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's crazy to think about. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I did do it. And, you know, you're doing bringers at the same time. It was bar backing, mm-hmm. at, you know, New York Comedy Club. 
And then I like discovered all comedy. Like I discovered that there were these other open mics. Like at the time, I just didn't know about them. I didn't know how to find them. I don't know how I did find it, but I somehow got a hold of what my friends were probably doing, you know, right. and uh, they were, you know, getting in at these places or going to these mics that were like, you know, maybe they st- maybe they cost money, but they were like productive. Mm-hmm. And, not, and I'm not to say that like you couldn't get anything done, you know, barking or, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, doing bringers or whatever, or doing other club mics or anything like that. But like, they're much tougher club. You get, right. you tend to get a lot in it's New York city. The clubs right. are primarily all in Manhattan. So right. the open mics, they cost money because that club has to be open. Right. And they also it's they're on lists and their clubs and whatever. So they get people from all over the world that are kind of visiting New York and have no idea where to go. Yeah. And so anybody that walks in that is, lives in New York City at the time is kind of like, doesn't know anybody. You're not going to see these people again. Mm-hmm. There's eight comics and that's it. How are you going to get 3 p.m.? You know, everybody just <laughs> spent $12 to, to get a PBR and be here. Like it's it's not a productive environment to go up on stage. It would be better to like play an icebreaker game and everybody has to learn each other's name. And <laughs> where are you from? And let's do a writing session of work. I mean, that's one thing that improv does very well, yeah. but you know, yeah. stand up uh, is, is, I mean, not to say that there aren't ways to get into it, obviously, but like those avenues, the, like it's, you wonder why clubs even have a mic or these yeah. ringers exist in that way. You know, they should, they could probably set up a system where it does, it is for people to bring their friends out and see them do stand up and get a tape for the first time, but it costs $10 and you're not on a show where, you know, there's 10 or 15 other people doing oh, yeah. that. You're on a more seasoned show of some kind that, fits everybody's lifestyle right and can and is a more sustainable product i don't know i'm still right i don't know why i'm ranting like this i'm trying to solve bringers all of a sudden who gives a shit Uh, no No, but like here's the thing um (laughs) it is a rant though i feel it because like comedians have all been through this so like Barking is one thing, okay? Like, I don't have the stamina yeah. to bark. Oh, me either. Talk about something I can't do anymore. Like, I t- here's how I bark now for a show that I'm, I'm, <laughs> that I'm running. Hey, comedy, have a great night. You, you be great. <laughs> be well, man. Peace. Yeah. Never, can't, I got to be like, you are the best guy just for even looking at me or whoever. Have a great one. Right. I'm not I'm not oh. barking after work. Like I'm a lawyer during oh. the day. I'm not barking. People um, are vicious. Yeah. I used to yell at people, I'm not a trash can. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll I'll ne- that'll never go away. I'll never not think about that. You know what I mean? Like walking through Times Square, it's like fucking trauma. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The, the bringers, here's my thing with the bringers is like. I have one friend, um, he's a Long Island based comic and I actually adore him. And I said to him the other day, I love you, but I cannot do your shows if they're just bringers. And he has gotten me a few synagogue gigs, which like I should be running the synagogue circuit. FYI to everybody listening, book this Jewish lady for your synagogue (laughs) now. But like, so like that I appreciate, but the other ones, I got nothing out of it. My favorite, not... I love Gotham as a club. 
but the fucking Andy Engel shows, sorry, I'm going to blow up spots. He <laughs> makes people that I personally know that I know them outside of comedy. They all think they're comedians because they bring somebody, they bring 10 people to a show once every six months and Jim Gaffigan or Jerry Seinfeld shows up because it's Gotham. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not okay. Like, and it actually doesn't get you on the main stage. If I thought doing, you know what it is to have to bring, ten, you know, 10 people to every single show you do, it's impossible. But like, yeah. if I thought that it would get me passed at Gotham, I would do it. Of course, yeah, everybody would, but right. it doesn't get you passed. So what's the point? It literally gets you nowhere. Right. Exactly. It's uh, it's a way to get a tape and you could theoretically yeah. use that tape to get other places. But like, yeah, the carrot of you're going to get past the Gotham is impossible. Mm -hmm. But uh, as of, of course, not the case. But like, you know, I mean, that like everybody, they're just that guy's trying to make a living like everybody. You know what I mean? Not to say right. that it's the most moral or ethical way to do it. But, you know, so, you know, you could theoretically say that he is providing a service to people that want to do it once and get a tape of it. But and how much is it worth to those people? But obviously, most people that are doing stand-up comedy don't have that that mindset. You know, we all, or none of us are, have healthy mindsets about stand-up. You know, we're like, <laughs> of course not. You know, that you could be 60 years old and doing stand-up for the first time. He gets that tape. He's like, I am getting past a Gotham, some middle-aged man or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I don't right. I mean, maybe he can. Let's just say that he can't. So I'm not trying this hypothetical person. That probably does exist on every single one of those shows. Yes. You know, I mean, yeah, it's been yes. a long time since I've seen one, but you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, 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 that is a lot of comedy though. There is a lot of sacrificing, like nothing is this, you know, bright shining star. It is a real thing. It is actually much more realistic of a thing. You know, I mean, you do a weekend at a comedy club and you're like, oh my God, I'm hosting at a comedy club for all weekend. It's crazy. One show Friday what? to Saturday or whatever. You're like crazy. You know, you're super excited. And at the end, they hand you a, you know, check for a couple of bucks and then you walk away and that's it. Now you're hunting them down for spots again. It's yeah. uh, like that all over. I mean, every, it, nobody gives you a parade. You know what I mean? It's the whole the whole thing. It's always like that. And so if you have like an, an attitude, if you're trying to, I mean, it's good to be hungry too, you know? Mm -hmm. But uh, of course, like it's good to be realistic about these things. And like, it takes forever, especially in New York. Did you start in New York too? I started yeah. in New York. Yeah. And it's a thing. I mean, that is a thing. Most people do not, uh, you know, especially in, New York, New York comics, they come from a lot of other places. I mean, there are plenty that do start here too, but it is tough because you're, there's no home club. There's a million clubs, but you right. can't get, they're not attainable. Not right. you're one, you know, I mean, it's, it's over insane. So, I mean, it's a really tough place to start. And uh, it, there's the avenues that they're, people are trying to get you to do and hunt down to find the cool thing that changes all the time. I mean, it's so tough. Tiny cupboard is a cool thing. Right. But that was not really much of a thing a year ago. You two years ago. Right. A year ago it was. But uh a year ago it, it just really started and it was became such a big thing. And now they have competition all over, but they're in such a crazy location. It is like an exciting location. It, but if you were just a New Yorker and wanted to start doing stand-up for the first time. You'd have to be listening to a million podcasts and hear about Tiny Cupboard somehow 
I mean, and now you can probably see sponsored ads or something on Instagram, but who knows? But like, yeah, it doesn't seem like the first place you would think. No, no. To do I mean, comedy. Like, that's the thing is like, and the bringers like overtook everything. So I feel like, yeah, I don't, I don't know where, I don't do you know think they're dead. Go to, I, well, also. I think they're dead. And I think pre-COVID they, they were like overtaking everything. Like, think about it this way. Again, no offense to Broadway Comedy Club, but essentially at this point, Broadway Comedy Club is, is a bringer, is a bringer club. It, it's all producers picking a room on a night and producing a show. There's no club produced comedy even Greenwich Village Comedy Club Greenwich Village has like a late like the 10 p.m show that is a club I think it's a club produced show because they have like a real lineup Broadway Comedy Club is always like a producer you know what I mean like is that making sense like I, like like I, like I think that the the whole producer aspect which I am now a producer I'm producing my own shows at a bar but like Producers taking over and doing the work for clubs, I feel like is what made bringers take over so much or like this whole world. Yes, I guess I consider that like I do. I know what you mean. I kind of consider that like an outside produce show. Yes. Which is a similar. I see this certainly a similar concept in a lot of ways, but you have a lot more control. Like, isn't that fantastic in a way as a producer? It's not only, I mean, it can, it's a, you know, if people want to do only bringers, that's their prerogative. And is there a market for that? I mean, if there is, it's kind of, that's kind of a sad thing, but what can you do? Because yeah. theoretically everybody could just produce their own show. If you can get 10 people to pay $20, you could probably get 30 to pay five, you know, and you could do a show anywhere. Right. And why would you do a bringer if you could do a whole show and you could do whatever you want? You could have every comic dress up like Santa Claus because you think it's funny. You know what I mean? Like if you want right. to do something creative, just do it at that place. And like that's, a, I think, a really great system for all comedians. It's not, uh, you know, because you could also you're going to need other people. I mean, right. You might unless you do a one person show or something and you have that freedom. And so, yeah. I mean. Theoretically, it creates this kind of community, almost like a theater group that probably all do each other's shows and you reach out to do other people's shows and uh, some of them them are stand up and you create a really like flourishing, interesting scene that isn't just like all open mics or all bringer shows or all outside club produced bringer shows or whatever, you know, I think open mics are kind of dying a little bit on that same kind of level the way bringers are because why would you run an open mic in a post-pandemic world where people want to go out and watch comedy right you know an open mic in new york city was essentially a show that anyone could do that there would be no audience at ever no one would ever come and sit and just watch this show that's what an open mic is in new york city outside of new york people watch they come and hang out because it's the comedy night you know there probably isn't another comedy thing for free right open mics town. are all comics it's an audience in full of city. comics and if it's like a supportive atmosphere like sonia who produces comedians on the loose it's really i need to go more because i think she's wonderful she creates this super supportive environment um we're like you're paying attention to somebody's five minute set and you're laughing um 
a lot of open mics aren't like that. A lot of open mics are like, no one's fucking looking up. They're studying their notes. They're working on material and they're not laughing at anything you say. Yeah. Yeah. So like that's what sucks about sometimes the mics. So I'm hoping like I'll host this like super supportive, interesting open mic. Like the tiny cupboard still has a lot of open mics. They um, do, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just yeah. In New York, I didn't mean that about your mic. No, I, you know, I it know is like didn't. create an yeah. atmosphere. But uh, you know, it is like, you know, I think there's an opportunity to kind of just like do your own thing i know yeah. you know when you want to we all want to get up and do mics and like hit it hard you know in that way but i kind of wonder where that uh that kind of market is for a venue as much and for comedians because you could throw your own thing and you know maybe get some some people to come out i don't know it's just a, a, a question and i wonder how right. many people in the city are thinking about whether they're going to start shows or start backup shows or start mics or start back up their open mics. A lot of some, some places are gone. Most open mics were at the Creek in the cave in New York. Right. It's in Austin now. So that's not that they, a lot of those moved to the tiny cupboard or that kind of system. Uh, but, you know, I wonder how many bars like, you know, will start back up with open mics. Some have, I mean, Grizzly Pear, I need to go back. Um, Grizzly Pear has started Saturday afternoon, Sunday afternoon mics. Um, it's hard. Listen, like, like, I think at the end of the day, like what I think about is like, okay, I'm not 22, fresh out of college, you know, working in a coffee shop, like, you know, not giving a shit how long it takes. Not that they don't give a shit a 22 year old, but like you have all the time in the world to see like what's going to happen. I'm trying to work like efficiently, right? Cause right. Like, I have like a full-time exactly. legal career and I'm 38 and like whatever. So like my goal, like that's why I started this podcast. I was like, yeah. I need something that I can build my, and, and, and like not every episode cracks people up. Like we're getting into like total comedy nerd stuff. I don't know if I know. I don't know know how we got down it pretty quickly. It happened. Yeah. But like, I want to put content out there that's easy for me. Like a podcast is such an easy way to put content out there so people know who you are. I mean, just even the connections I've made with other comedians and grew, grew my Instagram. Like we're no longer living in like the year 2000 where like you had to do this and this and this and this and this to like make it, you know what I mean? Like, I think like we have the ability to figure out what that means for us as an, each person as an individual. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think uh, it's a lot of that. It's a lot of like, just kind of growing everything at once. You're building a plane as you fly it, that whole analogy, Mm -hmm. you know? And it is all these pieces. I was talking to a buddy of mine on the phone right before we started recording and we were talking about, now you got to be an interior designer also. You had to write and direct and all this, but like on Zoom or whatever, you got to you got to design your set. You got to yeah. figure out all the feng shui and figure something out. Anything. I mean, there's so much to it. And what the best way to really, you know, it's hard to remember this. I'm going to say this out loud and it's something I should tell myself every single day. The best way is to have fun with every aspect, mm-hmm. you know, like really just have fun. Go, oh, I get to. I have to do set design now, make it fun. I have to right. do this. I have to do that. It's fun. It's, right. you, everything can be fun. There's no reason not to. And it's easy to kind of get 
lost in something like bringers or anything mm-hmm. in comedy, but I feel like it is good to just, you know, have something important, you know, and like a show that you're like, I think that outside produce system is actually not really as bad of a system because okay. I think first of all, well, I mean, maybe I'll play devil's advocate. Maybe yeah, I could be okay. wrong. I'm not trying to, you know, uh, claim to be right about anything or whatever, but I, I kind of assume that clubs were probably struggling in certain regards and this is a way for them to meet halfway where it's not just bringer shows with brand new comics doing five minutes and who knows how much goddamn money that one person is making that club that night theoretically off of getting a tape for the first time or whatever and uh doing an outside produced show where that person is booking everybody they like and doing as much time as they want you know and inviting everybody they know for probably half the price, but two drinks as well. You know, that's a, right. a compromise that probably, that does kind of benefit everybody involved. It's still not a simple system for getting past at a club, and it does devalue per, uh, performing at that club in a way. It doesn't yeah. actually, the reality is exactly the same. It's that paycheck at the end of the week, you know, you did those shows, you did that time, you know, but right. uh, you are you didn't get booked by some like, booker from the 80s or whatever right and yeah probably does still exist but now that guy's job that girl's job is that, that you know that person has to do social media and programming for all these outside produce shows and you know bar manage and get you know drinks delivered you know and all everything i mean that, that person has to do so many things bookers rarely have to do only the booking i feel right. i assume uh, or they, that's like kind of a part-time job that they do in another entertainment job that they also have, you know, something like that. Who knows? It's, it's entertainment. People come from all walks Yeah, life. it's all. Okay. So, so, I mean, there's a lot of crazy stuff, but uh, so I, I don't know. I think that that's kind of like not a horrible thing and people get to be creative in like a certain way. When you're producing your own show, you get to do it however you want. And I think that's right. phenomenal. Right. Uh, so yeah. like that, that's what I'm doing. Like my show is on September 21st. I'm co-producing it with Jason Oxhorn who runs two joke minimum comedy. And like, we sort of just got to create a lineup that we wanted. And I'll tell you for me, like, and, and he, he agreed with me and everything. Like I wanted a diverse lineup. Like I, I cannot go into another show or, or create my own show and feel okay about it. If it's like, all all like white guys and me or something like that like it needed to be like heavily women it needed to be diverse you know ages race ethnicity everything and so like so that's what I've been doing and like here I think like we put together like a really great lineup that's like diverse like 50 50 women men um yeah like I can't like if I like I want to make fun of dudes. Like if I hear one more guy tell me how he's not getting any, like, I don't care. Like, right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, No, that's fantastic. And exactly my point, you know, like uh, about you can do what you want. You have creative control. And as like an entertainer, I feel like that is one of the best things you can kind of have. You're going to, I mean, you always theoretically had that creative control in that 10 minutes that you're up on stage or whatever, however much time you're doing, you know, and any given night, three to 45, you know, any comedian under the sun, but now you have the whole 90 minutes to be creative. You get Mm -hmm. to book everything, you know, even a headliner only gets 45, you know what I I mean? They obviously it's not entirely true. People are bringing their own acts on the road, but you know, you know, 
That's and they're doing that for exactly that reason, though. They want to have that control and they want to have control of their tour and their, you know, stay in right. town. Everybody's doing these things these days because they don't want to just get paired. Nobody wants to just get paired up with, yeah, exactly. The bunch right. of people that they're like, this is not the type of show that I think I should be a part of. Right. Uh, right. You know, like if you have creative control, you could absolutely do what you think is right and just and what the audience is going to like and what you like. And what is gonna mat- mesh well? Well, all the all the great stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah. The comedy world is its own animal. That's what I always say. It's its own culture, like yeah. community. Um, okay, so as we're wrapping up, we didn't talk that much about dating and relationships. I know. I'm uh, sorry. But no, no. I love a comedy nerd. Yeah, exactly. Um, like you can do whatever you want at a show. Smoke a bunch of pot beforehand, and then go play yeah. some mind games. Yeah. Smoke a bunch of pot and then tell some jokes. Like that's what every comedian should, everybody who wants to be a comedian should do. Um, but, but I do have to ask you my standard question anyway. If you could get down and dirty with anyone with no consequences, your fiance doesn't care. She gives you a hall pass. It doesn't matter. Nobody's going to know. You could do whatever you want. Who would it be and why? This is a, uh, oh man. A tough one. Super tough. Uh, God, I wish I could, you know, relate it to what anything we talked about, but we didn't talk about <laughs> dating at all. No, uh, your engagement, you met your friends. We did. Yeah, right. Exactly. No, I feel like it's silly to say some celebrity or something too, but I guess I'm, oh, I might tough. as well do that. Yeah. You know what? I think I'm going to stick with, you know what? I'm going to, I've been with, uh, <laughs> with my gal so long maybe i'll just go back to the to the you know my fantasy before her yes i think it was Lindsay lohan i know that sounds terrible today i've been we've been together a long time uh no there was a time though where i was like oh yeah she's gonna be famous forever she's, i have a huge crush on her but uh, yeah, no, so I don't know. Famous. She just like needs some help. Uh, yeah. like, she might be bankrupt. Like, she bankrupt. might. I don't know. What's, I haven't been keeping up. We're not friends no. on Facebook or anything. No. No. Uh, that's too bad. Yeah, no, I don't know. But uh, I guess also, you know, down and dirty, honestly, though, and maybe maybe today would be better than way back when. Oh, yeah. Theoretically. <laughs> in the context. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> okay. So do you... <laughs> people find you plug the shit out of yourself oh my gosh uh well, yeah you can find me online my dates are on my website you can just google alex uh grubard g-r-u-b-a-r-d uh i think it's alexgrubard.tumblr.com uh if yeah and then uh, you i'm uh my show weeding out the stone the game show of sobriety tests we have 16 comics they're all stoned but one and uh yeah it's a super fun show we play a bunch of sobriety test games so we can the audience can try and find who the sober person and if they do they win dope prizes uh and that website is live.weedingoutthestone.com that's at weeding out the stoned on instagram you can find us on facebook on twitter you know youtube all that stuff uh, uh parallel podcast weeding with alex and nate and that's a weed podcast about all sorts of you know weed news and weed experiences gadgets all the all that stuff that we experience being stoners and uh yeah i'm at alex grubard on everything instagram twitter 
uh, all that jazz. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I run some stand-up shows too. Uh, well, Weeding Out the Stone will be at uh, Asylum NYC every third Friday of the month. And uh, it's also coming up in Philadelphia. We've got more dates coming up. Check the website and our social media accounts and stuff for dates coming up in Massachusetts, New Hampshire, or maybe out West. It'll be great. Uh, but we're in New York every month. And yeah, I uh, run some comedy shows in Jersey City too. So if you follow me, uh, you'll see all those stuff and anywhere I'm playing, definitely. Uh, awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. This was very fun and Thank very you. insightful about the comedy world. Yeah, always nice to talk shop. You know, I dig it too much. I mean, just exude it. Just comes out instantly. You're engaged. Let's talk bringers. Take me back. Back when. <laughs>